Hey, so here's the deal. Today we're, we're continuing the, the rooted message, and um, I have to be honest with you. There's times where I think, um, okay, here's the message, and I get worried that I've overthought it. You know, I've made something more complicated than it needs to be, and um, so that was my fear coming into this week, and now people, the first two services have assured me that it, we're just fine, that I'm not that complicated, and I'm not that deep. So it was just, uh, <laughs> it was good, but I thought we should still pray for the message. So let's take a moment to 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 go to God. God, I um I really don't want to to make things harder or uh, to overthink everything. Um, but I think pastors sometimes have that tendency. So through this message, God, I pray that um, we don't just click off another Sunday or that we heard another speaker, but that you would speak to each of us about our own walk with you, our own lives, our own search for you, um, and how we how we love how we give it to others. So um, at the end of this morning, God, give each of us something from you that we can take with us and give us the courage to to follow through with it. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so I want to ask you a question, and I don't want you to answer out loud, and I want you to just think the answer, okay? And it's, it's not a trick question, but here's, here's the question. It's this. Why did Jesus heal people? And before you, don't, don't shout anything out, like I said, but he really didn't have to, did he? I mean, to accomplish his mission, he, he came and he, for three years, he walked, he talked, he taught, and the whole point of everything was leading to the cross, that's why I have the cross in the picture, that was the mission, the mission was to be the Messiah, to die on the cross for our sins so that we can experience forgiveness and be right with God and live a life um, in this deep, loving relationship with Jesus and God that we've talked about. But along the way, he healed person after person after person of all kinds of infirmities and sufferings along the way. And my, my question is, why did, he, why did he do that? Now, whatever answer you have, like I said, just put it in the back of your head for now. We're going to come back to the question later on in, in, in the message. Let me um, tell you, some of you are on the new side. So we've been in this series, like I said, for the last four weeks. This is week number five. This is a series that goes layer by layer building up as we as we go. So let me just kind of real quickly bring you up to speed. We've been kind of camping out on this analogy that's in Scripture quite a few times, actually, about the idea of being firmly planted with roots that go down deep. And the analogy is that we are trees and the roots are our faith relationship with God and that we, we grow our roots as deep as possible because in life there's going to be questions, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be hard times. We've said, hey, the wind's going to blow. The wind's going to blow. And we've all known people that when the wind blew hard enough, their faith just toppled over. And you know who they are? Because they used to follow Jesus. They used to go to church. They used to read their Bibles. They used to pray. They, but but now, now not so much or not at all. Now either their faith is just going to come silent in their lives or they'll just tell you, I don't believe that anymore. And you say, well, well, why? Well, because it didn't work and because... God let me down and because I'm very angry because this happened, this happened. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons that it happened and it became a phase they went through instead of a faith that endured a run that was run to, a race that was run to the very, the very end. And I know people like that and, and my guess is that you do as well. And part of this, this rootedness is, is so that we don't lose it, so that we can hang on. And it's, it's based on this prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians for the early church. It would work, pray for us as well. If he was here today, he would pray the exact same thing. And part of that prayer is just 
found in verse 17 of chapter, three, of chapter 3 of Ephesians. And he's praying, may your roots grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So he's saying, hey, let your, let your roots grow down, not just into doctrine and church and all that kind of stuff, but into God's love. He goes on to say, may you understand how, how big, how high, how powerful, how long, how wide God's love really is, even though you can't comprehend it. You can only catch a glimpse of it. But get your roots into that. Because when the hard times come, you'll, you'll remember that God loves you and that will carry you, you through. So, so we've been using this analogy that the roots represent our relationship with, with God and the soil is God's love for us. And the soil never changes, but our roots can, can grow. And it got me thinking this week, and this is just kind of a new little layer here, but it got me thinking there was a time for every deep-rooted person in the room when, when you and I had no roots. We were just seeds sitting on top of the soil. And I bring it up because there are some of us probably here today that have no roots. We're just, we're just seeds on the soil. And what you need to understand is it doesn't matter whether you have deep roots or not. God's love is exactly the same. It's there for you. It's a question of will you grow into it? Will you accept it? So some of us are just kind of, we're here checking it out. And we're so glad that you're here in, in, in a part of us. Now there's another group of us here in the room where we go, you know what? I've just put down my first shoot. I've just, I've just accepted that I've come to an understanding. I've received it that God loves me and he forgives me. And this is what Jesus came for. And we've got our first tender shoot going, going down. And by the way, when that happens, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing for, for many of us. It's like a whole new world. We get a new perspective. We, we see the world differently. We see eternity differently. We see our lives differently. We see the reason we live. We see love differently. We see all of our relationships differently. It's, this is what we're growing into. But I, I just got to tell you, if you're at that point where you're just going, yeah, I just shot down those first roots. I'm just kind of growing into this right now. I want you to know, just so you know, you're very fragile. You're very fragile. And, and it's not your fault. It's not the soil's fault. It's just the nature of young plants is, yes, continue to grow. Right now, there's another group of us that we've been following Jesus for a long time. And my hope is, if that's you, I hope your roots are deep. But I hope you haven't given up growing. And, and I think that's what Paul would say. Is never let your roots stop reaching for more. Never let your roots get content. Grow deeper and deeper into, into God's love. So we've spent the first messages talking about how do we grow our, our roots. And we, we said, hey, you know, we, we, start, we start with learning to be alone with God. Not even, not even talking about scripture, going to church, or singing praise songs or anything, but just being in a relationship with God. And, and that was like the second message. If you want to go back and listen to it, you, you can. And then the second, or the week after, we talked about, hey, there's some root diseases. There's some things that are common to all of us that can get in the way of our roots growing down into God's love, of our, of our spiritual growth. And we kind of warned you about three different root diseases. Again, you can go back and, and listen to those. And then last week, Doug said, Weinkoff um, taught, and he said that, hey, we need to feed on God's word. And what he's really saying is we need to add nutrients to the soil. Now the soil is adequate, it's God's love, but there's some nutrients we can add for us to be able to absorb God's love. And it's it just like you feed a tree you know, like nitrogen, you pound the stakes in, the rain comes and, and that leaks in the soil. It doesn't, it, it just helps the roots to grow, right? And he said, you know what, we have to add, and this is, this is important, we have to add God's word. We have to add scripture. 
And sometimes people go, what, what's the role of Scripture? And the cool thing is, the Bible tells us what the role of the Bible is. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Here's what Timothy said. Or Paul wrote to Timothy, excuse me. He said, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. In other words, it coaches us. It transforms us. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it, uses Scripture to prepare and equip His people to do every, every good work, right? To become the people we were meant to be. It reveals to us some things that are very important. When people come to me and go, Doug, why is the Bible such a big deal? I'll say, hey, you know what the Bible does? Basically three things. It shows us who God is. Without Scripture, we just all, we make stuff up about God already, but we would be limited to just making up what we want to be true about God instead of having to wrestle with how God has revealed himself. And we all, by the be candid, we all have to fight making God in our own image, right? And we're made in the image of God, but we want to make him in our image. We want to make God be the God we want him to be. And so when we read Scripture, we have to wrestle with different, different revelations about who God is and, and how he loves and how justice is important, what makes him frustrated or angry. All those things are in the Bible. It reveals who God is. It reveals who we are. You know, we were, what we were created for and the, the potential for this relationship, and it shows us how to live. It shows us how to love, more to the point. And so that's what the Bible is really for. And sometimes we can get into side conversations about Scripture and what's true and what's that, and, this, and all of that's interesting, but this is the center. This is the core of what Scripture is about. It shows us who God is, who we are, and it shows us how we're to live and love and have a relationship with Him and have, relate to each other. So we've been talking about this tree with deep roots. And, and of course, if it has deep roots, it's a big tree. And so I was thinking about that and going, wow, that's what we've shown you. And then the question I have for you is, is that enough? Is that the point? I mean, is that a complete picture of what it means to follow, honor, worship God, to be a Christian? Right? And my argument would be, well, actually, no. There's something missing from the picture and i don't know if you can guess what it is but it's this it's fruit it's fruit every healthy tree produces some kind of fruit seed nut so unless it's you're gonna i know there's always an argument right well my ornamental tree yeah i know the scientists have altered it so it doesn't put any fruit out i get it but but it's supposed to. It's supposed to reproduce. It's supposed to bear something. It's supposed to contribute to the, to the world. And the same way with Scripture, over and over again, the Bible says that we are to bear fruit. It's not in the Bible one place. It's in the Bible multiple places. And if you go, well, Doug, what does that mean? What is, what is fruit? I would just tell you, well, fruit is this. It's, for me, it's every behavior and attitude inspired by God in my life growing by God in my life. It comes a result of me saturating myself, my roots, in God's love, bringing it into myself, and then taking it out of me to others. That's fruit. That's what it comes down to. And I just, the thesis is this. Healthy trees produce fruit. Healthy trees don't just clump together and go, and we're alive, and all we have to do, let's just enjoy our deep roots. Let's just, let's just live and be comfortable and be safe. Let's, let's shield each other a little bit, but let's just not bear fruit. That's a lot of work to bear fruit, right? But this kind of takes us back to, 
to James, Jesus' brother, what um, Doug showed us in scripture last week, about the tension between faith, which is underground, and works, doing good deeds, which is, which is kind of like the fruit, right? So here's what he said in James chapter 2. Uh, now someone may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith? Right? Because it's underground. That's the root system. If you don't have good deeds, the above ground stuff, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe there is one God. <laughs> good for you. You got good theology there. But even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. And the implication there is maybe you ought to be doing a little trembling too if that's all you have. Right? You just believe in God. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Right? Or the Mathers 220 uh, edition. How foolish. Can't you see that roots without good fruit is useless? It's just a big tree. Right? So here's all I want you to catch. It's not, I'm overthinking, but it's not complicated. Healthy fruit requires deep roots. Right? Deep roots should produce healthy fruit. So the, the two go together, but it's a bottom-up oper operation. You need good roots, this relationship with Christ in his love in order to produce the kind of fruit that he wants us to produce, which raises another question, which is this. What does a fruitless tree look like? Right? If you have a big tree with deep roots, but no fruit, what's, what's going on there? What are we talking about? And I'll just tell you, if you see a tree like that, it'll look very religious. What's that mean? Well, let me take you back to the Old Testament. For a moment. There's a book called Amos. Amos was a prophet. He lived 750 years before Jesus came to earth. The history of Israel is this. God's chosen people had phenomenal heritage. God was involved in, in them from the beginning. There were miracles all along the way, escaping Egypt. You remember all of those kinds of miracles, the parting of the seas. They documented all that. They had holidays to celebrate it. They viewed themselves as God's special people. God told them, can put your roots into me, worship me, honor me. He gave them, and he told them how to treat people and what kind of a nation they should be. And what happened was, for the most part, they didn't lose their religion throughout time, but they lost, they lost the sense of doing the right thing. So their religion became their facade, but underneath it, the poor being taken advantage of, the the refugees in their community were, were being ignored. Widows were being ignored. There's all these needy people and all kinds of people being taken advantage of and the system became corrupt, but it always had the facade of God on it, right? And so then God would raise a prophet to go, how far you've wandered from God and God can't, you know, accept this and God is far from you right now. Even though you think you're close to God, God is not close to you. And Amos was one of those prophets. He came into a time period where, where great injustices were taking place right among the people of God, right? Even though they were worshiping God. So near the end of Amos, the, the book, Amos, who's a prophet of God, speaks on God's behalf, first person singular. So it is God speaking through Amos. So here's what God's words are, Amos 5, 21 through 24. He's speaking to the Israelites, his chosen people. I, God, I hate all your show and pretense. The hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. Right? Whenever God says hate, that's a pretty strong language. I hate your show 
I will not accept your burnt offerings. All these offerings that they're bringing to God, your grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings, these beautiful offerings of, of meat and grain and the doves and the lambs, all the things we think of. God goes, I know you sacrifice them. It means nothing to me. I won't accept it. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. Now he's talking to crosswinds, right? <laughs> Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps or your, it, it could go on with your drums and your cymbals. They worship loudly. Right? Away with that stuff. I, it means nothing to me. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice. An endless river of righteous living. Now, when, when it says justice up there, it doesn't mean he says, I want to see judges raised up with gavels, banging and sending people to... That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I want to see a flood of activity to correct wrong, to, to, to lift up the people who are being taken advantage of, to care for the people who are not being cared for. I want to see, see that. And the implication is, and then... I'll listen to your worship. I'll accept your offerings. Then we'll have a relationship going in. But, but you can't do one and then not do the other. And here's kind of how it applies to us. Great theology without real love is dead. Some of you, believe it or not, in this room, there are some of you who really dig theology. You like the arguments. You like, well, is it this view of God or this view of God? You know, should we do this kind of baptism or should we dunk them all the way? You know, and there's all these little arguments and sometimes you'll bring them to me and for the most part I go, ah, you know what, brilliant people are on both sides of that one. Or I'll have to go back to my book of theology and restudy it and have that conversation. I mean, you're bright, you're intelligent, you're wonderful people. But I'm telling you this, great theology without real love means nothing. Without fruit it's dead right same thing with doctrine we could teach all the truths about god in this church accurately accurately we could be the most orthodox church around right we we, we're true and we're right to god's word but without fruit it means nothing it's just dead why is that well it's because healthy trees produce fruit always now if you don't like me saying that and you don't maybe like how Amos said it and you didn't like how Paul said it well let's go see what Jesus said he used another analogy but it's very very similar it's he said uh, there's this vine and by the way all people that day would have understood because they used to walk around the you know grapes are growing everywhere they're making a lot of wine so it's important and so they have the the, the big vine going through and then it has branches where the grapes would come off the branches so like I said, the disciples certainly knew. And then on his last night, he was meeting with the disciples, and he uses an analogy of vine and, and branches. All the branches have to be connected to the vine in order to produce fruit, right? So here's what Jesus said to his followers the night that he, um, before he died. He said, yes, I am the vine. I'm the main vine. You are the branches. Right? Those who remain in me, in other words, connected to the vine, and I in them, we're connected to each other, will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's the question. If, if there's no real fruit to your life, I mean, Jesus said, if you're connected to me, you will produce much fruit. So if there's no fruit, maybe we ought to check the connection. Right? Are, are we still abiding in Christ? Are we still connected to Christ? Because, because 
healthy trees produce fruit. And if you're connected to the main vine, you're supposed to produce fruit. Right? Which is exactly the same thing. If, if you have a good root system and you're connected to the soil of God's love, that should work its way up into your life and show itself by expanding that love out to other people. Right? So the fruit of deep roots, what does it look like? Well, I think there's kind of two categories. The first one, I've discovered for me anyway, there's character fruit. I'm not the same guy that I used to be. Right? And, and this is because the Holy Spirit has been working in my life. And, and Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit in verses 22 and 23. And it tells us exactly, they're all character things. Here's what it says, the, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there's no law against these things. And I love how he adds that. There's no law against these things. Because here's my translation of that. Nobody is going to criticize you for being too loving. Nobody's going to criticize you for being too kind or too patient or having so much self-control. Right? And no, no, it's not against any law anywhere to manage your life as well and, and, and have this kind of character. Now, the reason I, I tell you that I'm, it's the first place I saw fruit in my life was because when I first, before I started following Jesus, I was a jerk to an awful lot of people. Those were, those were my high school days. and I wasn't mature in, in Christ or in, in my life. And when I turned my life to Christ, um, and it wasn't like I said, okay, now I've got to love better and be kinder and gentler and all that. I didn't, I didn't, I just was soaking up in the roots. It was all brand new and exciting. But I got convicted. I, I, I started to realize, man, I treated people poorly. You know, a couple things happened. Once, I, after that time period, I'd be hanging out with friends, and I loved when it happened. They would kind of, they didn't see me for a while. This is after high school. They look at me, and they go, you know, Doug, you're not the same guy. Do you know how great that moment is? Because I didn't like who I was before. I knew how I treat people. But I go, well, what do you mean? They go, I don't know. You're just, I actually like you now more. You're not a jerk anymore like you used to be. They didn't say all that out loud, but they didn't have to. Right? I mean, this is, I, I, was, I knew enough of how much of a jerk I was. I think I wrote like 12 letters to 12 people who I knew I treated poorly in high school. And I was far enough away. I was suffering for Jesus in Hawaii. But um, <laughs> I wrote them letters because I, I knew I treated them poorly. And I don't know if I'd ever see those people again or not. You know, and I just said, I, got, I have to ask your forgiveness. I treated you poorly. And I would tell them how I treated them poorly. And sometimes they'd go, no big deal. And sometimes they didn't reply. And some couple of them wrote back and just said, wow, I've never received a letter like this in my life. Thank you. Right? But there was something inside of my character, who I am that nobody can see, that was changing. And how I wanted to live and who I want to be. Now, I still have to apologize to people sometimes. You know, some of you have received apologies to your, hopefully, to your face, right? And when um, I wish it wasn't that way, I'm still growing, I'm still becoming, and and part of this is it's, it's very hard to perceive in yourself. But I hope I'm kinder next year than I was last year. I hope I'm more loving next year than I was last year. I, I hope I'm more focused on doing and being the person God created me to be next year than I have been this year. 
That's part of the journey. That's part of the fruit that keeps growing. And the way to get there is to have deep roots in God's love, and it empowers me to love others better. So that's one, one category of fruit. The other major category of fruit is behavior. What we actually do, our actions towards others. Right? We, we ought to be treating people differently. We ought to be caring about people differently. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Scripture is pretty clear about this. It starts making categories of people that, hey, don't forget these people. Because the odds are I'm going to love my family and work with the church. And, but, they go, hey, don't forget these people. Here's kind of a list of everybody in Scripture. It's the poor, the lame, the cheated, the hurting, the hungry, the homeless, the jobless, the disadvantaged, orphans, widows, the imprisoned, foreigners, refugees, sick people, the addicted, and of course the lost, those people who are living far from God. Right Now there's, that's, that's just in Scripture, and that's not like everybody. You know, you, this is not meant to be a list that you just, okay, we did them, we clicked them off, we do, we do them. It's like, don't forget people who are hard to love and, for, and forgettable. You know, don't forget these people who are, who are doing it life alone. This um, Christmas season, I took advantage of your generosity without your permission, sorry, so forgive me for that. But um, there's a lady that goes to our church whose husband is basically, I think, serving, um, well, for the foreseeable future, probably the rest of his life in a prison in Wisconsin. And she came to me and, and by the way, he got there fair and square. He, it's the right place, the right deal. Um, but she came to me and said that while he's been in prison, he's, he's renewed his walk with Christ, and he has a ministry in prison. And I think that's yeah, just like God, right? Using, using screw-ups, to now the person's in a position to, to have ministry, and it'll be probably his ministry for the rest of his life. And she said, there's three, four prisoners who have no connection with anybody outside of the prison. And part of this is like sending your kid to camp, right? There's this we used to call it a tuck account. Do you know what I'm talking about? There'd be an account of money so that you could buy candy at the camp gift shop or a shirt or something. You know, I'm sure in prison it's like candy or like cigarettes or whatever it is, right, kind of thing. And these guys have zero money there. And, you know, Gordy was wondering if we, we could help a few of them. And I, I said, yeah, we finally got around to it and we did it. And just this week I got a thank you note from, well, I actually got four or five thank you notes, but I'm just going to show you one of them. Um, here it is, and it's not like he knows me, but can you see there's a puppy dog on there? <laughs> if it had been a cat, I wouldn't have even opened it. <laughs> right? And it just says on there, I just don't know how to say thank you, which is perfect because it's in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what it means is, um, to the people of Crosswinds Church, thank you um, for, for the prayers and for the gift that you sent to me, please continue to pray for me and the others. Thank you from all of my heart. I will keep you in my prayers. Um, and it's Brent Lopez. And then he's got a little fish symbol around the year 2017, which means he's following Christ. And so we put some money into his account. I got four letters from these guys. And um, after I told this story last night, a guy came to me and took me aside and he said, Doug, you need to know I was in prison. And I knew this already, by the way. He was in prison for 24 straight years. He did something. Um, he earned his way there too as a young man. Just 
rotten stuff. And he said, I want you to know that nobody remembered me when I was in prison. It was like, he's gone. He said, but every nice action that took place during those 24 years, it was some Christian who did it. You know, if every, my family forgot me, my friends forgot me, but, but the people that remembered I was there, the people who gave me something, who cared for me while I was there, it was Christians. And he said, over the 24 years, I finally put the pieces together. These were the only people who really loved, who really cared, even after you did horrific things. And he just I just want to let you know that, say thank you. Because he connected those dots, and he became a follower of Christ. And he goes to our church. You know, and, and yeah, that's it. That's, that's the power of fruit. It reproduces itself somehow. Now, there's a problem with lists, though. Right? Every time you make a list, someone's always excluded. Right? Even the Bible list, there's someone who doesn't fit it, I'm sure. You know, and here's the people we do love, and then we don't love these people or something. We love these people, but not those people. And um, someone's always excluded. So let me just give an example. And this is, okay, so I showed this last night. So just take a, everybody inhale once. Exhale and relax. Okay, because this might trip you or trigger something, okay? Here's what I said last night. Every list excludes someone. So let's give you a list. Black Lives Matter. So let's pause there for a moment. Relax and chill, okay? Because last night it triggered people. Black lives do matter. And the slogan of Black Lives Matter is profound and important because what they're saying is we are the disadvantaged. We're the ones who you're not seeing that have been treated poorly and it happens over and over and over again. And then there's a group of people, yeah, but you behave this way and blah, 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 blah. And well, you did that, 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 all those things. And I'm not saying I agree with all the techniques of the Black Lives Matter movement and all the things they've done. That is not the point. The point is it's a list. It's a really, really short list. And the reason they're saying it is because they don't feel like they matter. Right now, if we can keep it pure like that, we may, maybe we can make some progress. I understand. It's, it's, it's complicated. Right? But when we read Black Lives Matter, we go, whoa, 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 whoa. Blue lives matter. Yes, of course they do. I'm so grateful to everybody who's a cop who puts their lives on the line, who's involved in keeping us from hurting each other, you know, and keeping our place safe and horrific stories. And, and there's the interaction between black and blue and white and yellow and red. It's all, it gets very, very messy, right? But absolutely, that's why I went to the dinner that honored all the policemen in this area because I wanted to be there representing Cross and representing myself and God and saying, thank you. Thank you for what you do. I understand every single time you pull somebody over, it's a moment of life and death and it's a risk. Right? But, but it can't stop there because brown and yellow and red and white and any other colors you want to add matter. But as soon as we make a list, we always omit someone. That's the problem with, with lists. So let's take a look at what Scripture says. What Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, he said, let's not get tired of doing what is good. Fruit. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, wherever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. There's your list. We should do good to everyone. When we find an opportunity, we should take advantage of the opportunity and do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Right? And what he's saying is there's a priority 
you know, we'll get to it in a moment, but of, of how we love, there's a priority to it. So number one, everyone counts. And every act of love counts. Quit judging each other for how we're loving and quit building ourselves up because we went to the prison or we did that good thing. Or Just find your opportunities and do it. But there's priorities. And, 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 and of course there's priorities. Right? For example, spouses. We should love our spouses first. And our children. Right? That's the, that's the first priority. Get your house figured out. If, if you're not loving them, you really shouldn't Put a lot of energy outside of that. That's the place to start. And then what Paul said, and we start with our faith community. We, we can't really love outside very well until we learn how to love in here. And, and obviously we're growing in that and we're going to do both, but, but the priority of loving in here, our faith community, is extremely important as, as a church. And then our sphere of influence, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. Look for opportunities among them because you're going to have the chance to share the most with them. Make the biggest influence with them. And then on top of that, the poor, the lame, the cheated, the hurting, the hungry, the homeless, the jobless, the disadvantaged, orphans, widows, imprisoned, foreigner, refugee, sick, addicted, and the lost. God is going to open doors and opportunities for us to bear fruit in those arenas. And, and guess what? You don't have enough money or enough time to do all of them. Right? This is my problem with missions, right? <laughs> well, how much money is enough? And they will take everything I have and leave me with nothing. And I can't give more then. You know, you kill the goose at that point. So you, you have to figure it out. God, what are you calling me to do? I don't want to do it out of guilt. I want to do it out of love. I want to do it out of your love from, from the roots up. So let me just kind of go on record here. We have, we have a loving community. It's not perfect. I hope you love your spouses and your children. I hope you're loving your neighbors. We talk about these things all the time to look for opportunities. We are not great yet at, as a church now at doing outside of things. We, we do some things. We pack the bags and send them to schools. We send people to Belize. We're sending people to Mexico. We've, we've done some nice things in the community. But I'm just kind of going to let you know, over the next few years, we're going to become far more intentional about compassion and about justice. We're going to become more, a little more like, hey, we're going to go do this together and you could be a part of it, organized about it. Okay, but notice I put the, over the next few years. Don't come to me next week and go, where are these new programs? Because not next week. It's going to take time. Opportunities are going to have to open. You, you could be prayerful about what we're Maybe God will inspire you and say, hey, I will lead something. That's fine. We can talk about that. But don't wait for a program. Don't wait. In other words, don't wait for me. Take advantage of every opportunity, like Paul said. Look for those opportunities. Yeah, and we'll keep doing the things that we're, we're doing, but look for opportunities and go. And if you're followers of Jesus, bear fruit. To not be religious and then just stand by a world that's falling apart. Do not think, hey, I'm going to heaven, so who cares about anybody else? As long as I'm well fed, I don't have to worry about those people who aren't. Let's not be those people. It's, God's going to hate our worship. I don't want to be a part of that. Let's grow in good works. Let's grow in, 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 in bearing fruit together. And of course, it means we have to stay rooted. That's the most important thing. That's the place we start. We have to love God. We have to invest in soaking up his love and being aware of it. Deep, deep roots. But then we've got to bear fruit. I've got to give you a warning. 
some people, they get excited about the bearing fruit, and they, they actually bear fruit. They do all these good things in order to make God think they have good roots. In order to feel loved by God, they have to do good things. That's backwards. Right? That's turning into works again. That's turning into, hey, i got to be good enough for God. i got to do all these things so God will love me. He already loves you. You're planted in God's love. So it goes from the bottom up. Guard your walk with Christ. Guard your, your faith. Guard your love with God. Put deep roots down. Spend time alone with God. Pray with God. Read the scriptures. Be a part of the community. And then from all that, it should go up and then fruit should be born. Now let me take you back to where we started. Why did Jesus heal people? Now I'll take an answer. Go ahead. You're going to get it. Why did he heal people? Love. I heard love three times. Yes. He couldn't help himself. He loved them. You know what I think? When we get mature in Christ, we can't help ourselves. Because love starts to be the dominant... it doesn't all have to be planned. The opportunity comes. We'll just go, oh, of course I'm going to do that. Of course I'm going to be an opportunity. I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. It's because I, because I love them. God's love is flowing through me and I'm producing fruit. So here's how I'm going to end. Like we always do. What are you supposed to do next? What are you supposed to do with this message? And by the way, it's going to be different for some of us. For some of us, we're just at that seed stage and the answer is, wow, I'm just putting these pieces together, Doug. I have no idea what to do with this. And I'm just hoping you can put down that root into faith just today and believe God loves you. And start to think about the implications of that. Start to learn to live in it and have this relationship with God. And some of us are young and tender and just go, wow, I'm going to start praying that God would roll my roots deeper and deeper. I want to bear fruit someday. I want to see the character change. I want that, Doug. I want to become the person I'm not yet. And for some of us, we're looking at it and we're saying, I ought to be bearing fruit, and the truth is I haven't been. And I'm going to start praying about, God, would you show me how I can bear more fruit? I don't want to miss out on who you want me to be and how you want me to change the world and be a part of things. And it might be invisible to everybody else. It just might be your neighbor or some kid down the street or it might be part of a program. You might start something that changes the whole world. I don't know. But you don't want to miss out on what God wants for you in terms of bearing fruit. So let's pray. God, as we gather together as a church this weekend, my prayer is going to be the same. That you would that you would grow our roots into an awareness and a living in and a soaking up of your love. That we could, like Paul said, that we could get a glimpse of how, how wide and tall and big your love really is. Because we can capture that. We're going to grow. And God, we want to grow. We want to, we want to bear fruit. We want, to, we want to bear fruit, which means to show your love in lots of different ways to this world. And we want to care about everybody you care about, which is absolutely everyone. One at a time. So God, lead us in truth. Help guide our individual lives and our life together as a church. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.